Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. Glad you're here. It's extraordinary that you are because so many are away for Father's Day. Thank you for coming. And uh, there's one father in the room at least whose wife and the mother of his children is away. Father, I pray this morning that we leave today more full of what you have done for us and who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So my own experience with uh, as as a son is like so many it's it's highly variable i had a i had a dad who was a good man he just wasn't accessible or available i lived in a small town and grew up in the southwestern corner of montana my dad was a country doctor in a time when country doctors still made house calls still were you know the ambulance driver sometimes they were the hearse <laughs> Uh, sometimes they were the pastor, you know, when even though they weren't ordained as such. You know, they were the kind of the everything to everybody who was having issues. There was no social services and so forth. And so my dad was never home, and when he was home, he wasn't available because people were knocking on the door and phones were ringing, and he was thinking about or, you know, involved with people's cases. So I, I had a good dad, especially when I was very young, but his practice and his habit and his approach to life basically took him out early. He died when I was a teenager. And uh, all along, there were some other men who came along. I was thinking back just this morning. There was a delightful man named Jules Wenger. He was the custodian at one of the local commercial buildings. And Jules used to come pick me up when I was a little boy and take me fishing up the Grasshopper Valley in his his secret fishing holes. Just because he knew my dad and just because he knew what my life was like. And his grand his grandchildren were the age of my sister, so, and I knew his daughter, and I knew, anyway, so, I, I really cherish the memories of Jules Wanger. There was a man named Swede Trotson who um, was a totally different personality, and uh, he recognized later in life, I was older, I was in my, probably, I don't know, maybe my late middle school age, early teens, and we would go up into the wilderness in the high mountains and lakes and camp and so he would take me and teach me and train me about wilderness skills and camping skills and orienteering skills, how to find your way with a compass and a map only. And so, so that makes sense that there there can be dads that are not your bio father. Yeah. Do you, anybody else appreciate non-bio dads that at least for a minute had ex, had influence in our lives? And uh, I've I've really been privileged for the last many years to have a true spiritual dad. Uh, he lives in Texas. He just he travels the world and ministers just back from Cambodia. And I don't even know where he's going next. We're going to spend part of August together, uh, Larry and me. So I honor all that experience, and now I kind of get to be one. And my wife and I actually have two great-granddaughters. Uh, we just got our second one. We actually haven't met her yet. She's in San Diego. Uh, but our elder great-granddaughter, will turn 11 this year. She just completed fourth grade. But when she started her life, she lived in our house in uh, South Reno, 
the Curdy Ranch area. And it was before Sherry and I got here. And uh, we led a different kind of church gathering. Now, some of you have heard this before, but most of you haven't. And uh, her name is Emily. And she walked and talked at a very young age. And so in a different context, we, would, we were leading a church and it was very, it was very personable. It was very personal and intimate. And how old was she when she used to show me your glory? Maybe one, somewhere, 12, 13, 15 months. Um, we would be, we would be leading worship uh, or having worship. And that song, Show Me Your Glory, the Kim Walker uh, version, would come on and, uh, she would worship. Oh my gosh. Oh, she'd worship. And uh, sometimes in the middle of the set, she would, she would uh, at that age, and she could start to talk, and she would, uh, we hadn't announced that it was time to, you know, you could do songs by request, but she would request that song in the middle of our worship set. She would come up and she would look at me and she would say, Gory, Gory, and that meant that she wanted us to to do that song, so I would pick her up and we would slow dance. So, if that isn't a picture of God's glory, I don't know what is. And that's how your Heavenly Father sees you. That's the whole point of this on a Father's Day is, if we really say that and mean that, just like a 12, 15 month old that's precocious, he'll pick us up, he'll slow dance with us, and he'll show us our, his glory. He really will. He really will. One of the things we're trying to get our congregation a little more used to is a little less structure. I absolutely love every single church that sticks to a tight timeline. Really do. I think it's awesome. Churches that are doing three and four services every every day, you don't kind of need to do that because that's that's the path they've chosen. I don't for now this season that's not our path. Our path is that if the Holy Spirit wants worship to run two or three hours, we'll do that. Our path will become that if there's just something popping in the message or popping in the group or, you know, the, the, the prophetic breaks out or healing breaks out or those kinds of things. We're going to go with it. And uh, we're never going to get upset at people if they, if, if, you know, normally church ends around noon, but if it doesn't, then we're going till 2, 2.30, but people got to leave for various reasons. Okay. And I think there's a good chance this morning because, you know, sometimes when the Holy Spirit's boss church ends, Holy Spirit is boss. Church will end early too, right? Because if he says, I'm done, we need to be done. Would you agree? This may be one of those mornings when you get out of here early because it just seemed like the worship team and I felt like he was keeping it very succinct today. So if you don't feel like you got your money's worth, it'd be. Who do you think is was the very, very first and the very, very best that's not a good way to ask that question. Who was the supreme example of being a disciple? Whenever you're in church, just say Jesus. You're, you're gonna, if you answer every question Jesus, you're going to be right about 90% of the time. And in this case, that's true. If you think about it, wait a minute, if you think about it, if you think about it, he came not to be served, but to be a servant of all. He never talked about himself, not one time. He never self 
self-justified, self-protected, self-defended, nothing. He always talked about his father. He only ever served others. He only talked of others. He never, even when they were just absolute jokers, the Pharisees and so forth, he, he never even, he, he, he called the situation for what it is, you know, whitewashed tombs, all that kind of stuff, but he never put them down personally. He never, he always was others, one another focused. Agreed? That sounds like a disciple to me. He taught disciples how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's not that. The Lord's Prayer is really John 17, but okay. He taught, he, he, he became the perfect disciple so that he could disciples us so that we would become disciples who would disciple others. Disciple is a noun and a verb. Simultaneously. Being one, becoming one, and doing it. In the book of John, he spends chapters 21 and, let me go this way because you read left to right, 21 to 20, that's post-resurrection, uh, 19 to, 18 is crucifixion and death. 17 is the Thursday, it's before Good Friday. There, he's, that's the high priestly prayer, the prayer of unity. He's, the, he and the disciples are probably walking across the Kidron Valley up to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's about to be betrayed. Okay? So he's within minutes of being betrayed. No, because he prayed for an hour. He's within a little over an hour of being betrayed. Right? So there we are at John 17. John 16, we'll start back over here. He's telling his disciples in the upper room about uh, really some details and some important stuff about the coming of the Holy Spirit. They're all going, huh? But it's important because he's telling them. John 15, he's telling them about the uh, Father being the vine, dresser, Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. Okay? So now we're at John 14. So what are we, two hours maybe, three, from his being betrayed? I'm thinking whatever he is saying at that point is pretty darned important. Would you agree there's some of the last words he's going to tell his disciples before he's betrayed? So 14. Now 13, he had washed feet, okay? And he had spent some time talking about what it's like to be a disciple. And in 12, that's when some of his more important I am statements, and he's still commuting from Bethany, and it's, it's Thursday, but the bad stuff hasn't begun to happen yet. We are not at dinner. So John 14, we're kind of yet dinner. In the second half of John chapter 14, he's talking about Holy Spirit. He knows what he's about to say in 15 and 16 and 17. Are we good? We got context? It's Thursday. We're at the table. We're in the upper room. These are some of the last things. He has the disciples, those 12 people's full attention. And it's really important, whatever he's saying. He has just washed their feet. They've just been at table. John 14, verse 1. To them and to us. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. In the original source languages, it could be translated, don't let your hearts be distressed. In the Aramaic, the verse, the language that Jesus spoke, check this out. It says, let not your heart flutter. For you have believed in God. Now trust and believe in me also. Can also be translated, believe in God and believe in me. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. For you have believed in God. Now 
trust and believe in me also. Verse 2. My father's house has many dwelling places. Oh, do we get this one kind of translated all kinds of different ways. In the source language, it's just as good to translate this as there are many resting places on the way to my father's house. Or there are many homes in my father's household. Here in the context, it means the Father's house is also mentioned by Jesus in John 2.16, where it is his temple on earth, his dwelling place. This is not just heaven at all, but the dwelling place of God among us. There is ample room for people from every nation and every ethnicity. There's room to spare for the church, the body of Christ, you and, you and I, are now, presently and currently, the house of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Ephesians 2.21-22, 1 Timothy 3.15, Hebrews 3.6, 1 Peter 2.5. I'm, not, I'm not just making it up. Every believer is now one of the many dwelling places that make up God's house. For my Father's house has many dwelling places. Jesus. If it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly, because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. Source language. Jesus' going was to go through death and resurrection in order to make us ready to be his dwelling place. He had to go, not to heaven, but to the cross and pass through resurrection to make us his dwelling place. Hey, we made it through verse 2. Here's verse 3. Jesus talking. And when everything is ready, I will come back and I will take you to myself so that you will be where I am. The Greek verb used there, para, para lambano, is the word used for a bridegroom coming to take his bride. He takes us as his bride through his death and resurrection. His coming back can also, in the source language, in this context, also refer to his coming to live within believers. Present tense and future. Verse 4, Jesus speaking. And you already know the way to the place I'm going. He's telling his disciples, including you and me. Another way to say the same thing, legitimately, completely, in the original language is, you know where I'm going and the way to get there. It can be known. It is knowable. Thomas, we're in verse 5 now, good old Thomas, says to him, Master, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know the way there? Verse 6, Jesus explained, I am the way. I am the truth, the true reality, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me or through faith in me. I had to get to this point because this is the message today. Right here. Ready? Exodus 33.20. No one has, has ever the seen Father lived. Coincidentally, thank you, Holy Spirit, the worship team says, show me your glory from Exodus 33. I had no idea they were that. I mean, I did know they were going to do it, but it didn't make sense to me. It didn't connect. No man has seen God and lived, the Father, and lived. John 1.18 no man has seen the Father. It says in the Bible, no man has ever seen the Father. So the Father is unseeable, right? 
wrong. Because it says right here in John, in Jesus' last investment in these disciples, to know me is to know my Father too. And from now on you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. There's a lot of talk today about inclusion. Inclusion is so important. You know, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm going to use the term woke. I'm going to try to not do so demeaningly. Anybody heard the term woke? Yeah. And how inclusivity, inclusion is everything. This verse has been used a lot for exclusion, saying you can't get to heaven unless you make Jesus your Lord. Okay. That's not the context. The context is Jesus is the OG of inclusion. Nobody has been able to get to the Father. Nobody has ever has ever known or been shown a path to the Father because there never was one until his death, burial, and resurrection. You couldn't get to the Father. You couldn't see anything like the Father. There was no access to the Father since the fall. And there never was going to be. You cannot, you could not know, you could not get to, you could not understand, you could not hear, you could not have direct one-on-one -on -one interaction with. You could. He was unknowable, unseeable, untouchable, unfindable. And now anybody, anybody can get to the Father, can know the Father, can be known by the Father. It's the Jesus is the master, the architect, the originator, the genesis of inclusion. There is no greater thing, reward, benefit, treasure in life than to know the Father and to be known by the Father. To know me is to know my Father too, verse 7. And from now on you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. Philip speaks up now. He says, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be all we need, Philip says. I kind of agree. I, if I'd have been there, I might have said that. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am? How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. What does the Father look like? He looks just like Jesus. We didn't always know that. But we do now. Verse 10, Jesus speaking. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father. For he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives in, as one with me. Or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done. <laughs> He's telling these 12 guys, like, hey, three years? You've seen the stuff, man. There's more to this than just me. Can't be my own power, right? If you've seen, if you can't quite get your mind around, you've seen, well, at least think about the miracles. And remember, I said, this is verse, this is chapter 14. In verse 12, if you back it up, you'll find there was the second or third time in the Bible when there was a mighty voice that sh tore the heavens open and shook and said, this is my believe beloved son, in the middle of Jesus tearing some stuff up. A literal thundering voice out of heaven just the day of, the day before. I might have even been, my old, some people say I'm stubborn, but sometimes I'm a little thick. I think it's my Teutonic heritage. Anyway. 
Had I thought through all those miracles, had I heard a thundering voice out of heaven, had I realized, had I thought, had I really, really cataloged a little bit of what walking with Jesus was like these past three and a half years, maybe I would have even said, I've probably seen the Father, if I've seen you. Even me might have said that. How about you? Jesus talking, John 14, minutes, minutes before going up to the garden, tells them, believe it, believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me, or at least because of the mighty miracles I have done. Now he says, verse 12, I tell you this timeless truth. There's no freshness date. There's no outdate on this truth. Is it valid today? Okay. He says, the person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same miracles, the mighty ones, the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with Father. So to the extent that I and you believe, well, believe in, but also believe, obey, grow up into, follow him, the degree to which I remain in intimate contact with him, the degree to which I remain in proximity to him through the power of his Holy Spirit, the illustration and instruction in the scriptures, the connection, cross-pollination, clanging together in community and surrender, the degree to which I yield and do those other three areas, he says this in verse 13, Jesus, for I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and will bring glory to him. So isn't there, if you stop and think just for a second, Yes, certainly about the anonymous city around you, the anonymous county, state around you, the anonymous heads in the nation and the governments around you. Yes, wouldn't, isn't, wouldn't it be good to sh- if they knew God's glory? <laughs> wouldn't it be good if they were shown God's glory? Yeah? Don't we need a little bit of God's glory in, in the world around us? Okay, that's not what he's talking about here. Well, it is, but it isn't. Because what he is talking about here is every one of you, regardless of age, still has a sphere of influence. You're a light in somebody's life. Could be a small group. Could be a workplace. Could be a book reading club. Could be a bowling league. Could be your own family. Could be on and on and on and on. And God has you right there in that sphere of influence where revival can break out. It's a revival circle. And how does that happen? If from birth we crave, desire, cannot get rid of it, and a a desire that just will not go away, to see his glory, to know his glory, there's a deep yearning for the more of God, his radiance, his love, his beauty, his power, his steadfastness, his all of the superlatives I could have started this message with. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. The key, proximity and following. The more Christ-like I become, the more his glory shows up wherever I go. I just carry it. I just carry it. I don't do anything. I just carry it. 
That's a pretty good existence. On a good day, when I'm close to him, it's pretty. How about you? You ever have those days when when his presence is just kind of in you and on you and things just sort of go well, don't they? Yeah, problems sort of just get solved and solutions just sort of come up with and unpleasant situations you're about to face suddenly just sort of get resolved and peace, right? And Sure, we've all experienced that. Who's to say that isn't a greater work? Who's to say that isn't a miracle greater than what Jesus could have done? Because we are co-heirs. He could have shown up in that situation. Do you realize how many people he didn't heal? Do you realize how many arguments he didn't settle? Do you realize how many people he didn't feed? And on and on and on. It took the disciples. It took the Acts church. It took the Ephesians church. It took all the other New Testament to do what Jesus could not do. So you resolving that situation, you just walking in there and somehow the solution happens and somehow wholeness or shalom or peace returns into that situation. How do you know that Jesus could not have done that? Isn't that a greater work if he couldn't do it, but you could? Just saying. May we see slide two, please? I think that's what he's saying to us this morning. I think if you look in that picture, see the bright light up ahead? And see that, that that radiance, that light is kind of around the corner to the left, see that? I just sort of imagine Jesus, that's where he is. I just sort of imagine him there this morning. Can you imagine that with me? Holy Spirit, help us. Holy Spirit, make this a holy, a sanctified, a consecrated imagination and not some kind of new agey junk. Because the Holy Spirit's really good at that. We can trust him. So Holy Spirit, minister to each person and, and, and help them kind of get a picture of Jesus up ahead in, in that path and around that corner. And then get a picture of Jesus is walking like this. But he kind of goes like this. And I don't know if you're left-handed or right-handed. Maybe he turns this way and looks back and puts his hand out. Maybe instead, because of how he made you, he turns this way and puts this hand out. But can, can, can you just imagine he's there he is and he's turned around. He's never not in that position. He's always saying, follow me. He's always saying, come on. Come on, let's go. Let's go, follow me. Come on, let's go. Hear him repeat to you what he told his first disciples. We ended in 1414. Here's verse 23, just nine verses later. Quote, loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my father will love you so deeply that we, Jesus and Abba, will come to you and make you our dwelling place. My friends and my fellow seekers, let's go. Let's go. Let's answer the call. Happy Father's Day. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the joy life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.